Hey friends, hopefully this finds you well today wherever you are at. My name is Drew and this is the Fasting Series, a midweek podcast that we're dropping every Wednesday throughout Lent on the ancient spiritual discipline of fasting. If you haven't listened to previous episodes, we actually encourage you to go back and catch up on this discussion. And it's been a great time really evaluating and looking at a deeper level at what fasting is. In week one, we gave a short introduction, just looking at how people, not only in the Old Testament, like Israel, how they fasted, but as well how the early church fasted and what that looked like. Last week, we started the discussion in week two, just around why we would fast. And that's where we are right now. We're looking at a number of reasons why in the Western world, we would abstain from food and water for an extended period of time. We have every, you know this, we have everything at our fingertips. Why would we do such a thing? And so last week, we really looked at the idea of fasting being whole body worship that God's people have always worshiped with their bodies. We've actually got to resist kind of the platonic idea of the separation of body and soul and be reminded that the body is, our bodies are actually things that we use to worship. Certainly in corporate worship with the raising of hands and kneeling and using our body, using our voices, whatever that looks like, but as well in the spiritual disciplines. And fasting is one of these ways that really draws us in as an act of whole body worship. Now for today, um, I don't know if many of you guys long distance are, are long distance runners. In college in Australia, I began to run because I realized I just needed exercise in my life and I was too far away from a gym. So I began to do long distance running in my neighborhood that I lived in. And over time, I've actually developed, over time, and not, not in the beginning, but over time, I de- I've developed a love for running every day or almost every day, whether that's at the gym or we have now moved and live in a great area with wooded area and all sorts of great places with trails to run. But uh, as I developed this love for running, I actually ran my first marathon in 2008. Heather and I had been married for just under a year. And if you don't know, a marathon is like 26 miles, or if you're Canadian, it's like 44 something kilometers. And I had never really put that many kilometers together. Sure, I had ran every day, but um, it was one of those things where I hadn't, I don't think, put more than 19 or 20 kilometers together at one time. So you can imagine. Um, what it was like then to run on this day where you had to put 44 kilometers together. All I can say is, and my ego was crushed because there were people, my mom, like ladies, my mom and my grandma's age running by me at the end. And I stumbled to the finish line and basically after that moment sat in an ice bath for like days. I remember actually vividly that I missed my hockey playoffs the next day because I could hardly move. So I underestimated the toll this would take, but it was interesting out of this event and out of this moment. I was actually talking to a lady in her 60s who had run several marathons, and she actually uh, got talking to me after the race, and she said, it's all about pain management. She looked me in the eyes as a mid-20s something, and she looked at me in the eyes and said, you're more fit than me. Your cardiovascular is better than me, but what I've learned to do in these races over time is I've learned how to manage the pain. And that really just opened up my mind a little bit as to what this is all about, long distance running, and how it's not just about fitness, but it's about enduring pain over time. 
And so as I trained for other races, and I think I did one other two, one or two other races since then, not a full marathon because they just destroy you. Um, and good on you if you run marathons all the time. You're amazing. But as I trained for other races, one of the things that I learned is that I had to put myself in positions where at times I would go out in the mid of summer, like a hot, hot August day, like plus 35, plus 40 degrees. And I would run in scorching, humid, hot weather in preparation to, you know, in preparation really to build my body to a place where I was um, in the tough circumstances going to be able then to see that on a cool October day in a race actually manifest itself in a better way. And so I remember in the dead of summer, Heather would be like, what the heck are you doing? Why are you going out in this weather? And it was to train myself for the right time. The same thing with the winter. There would be moments in the winter where I would go out at like minus five, minus 10 degrees because I figured if I could run in 40 degree weather or minus 10 degree weather, I would be ready for these races that were predominantly in more moderate temperatures. There was a preparation. The practice in these moments was preparing me for uh, a better day. If I could run in 40 degree weather, I could easily run well in more moderate temperatures. Now, what does that have to do with anything? Well, I actually think that it has to do with a lot in how we come to this idea of fasting. Because a lot of us don't think of fasting as this. I believe that one of the reasons why we should fast regularly is because fasting is a discipline against sinful desires. Let me say it again. Fasting is a discipline that we practice against sinful desires. Hate to break it to you, but you will, if you follow Jesus, there is an adversary and you will be tempted to follow the way of the adversary, whatever that looks like. And so one of the things that fasting, we don't think or talk a lot about this, but one of the things I've come to understand is that fasting is something that we practice and that I practice as a discipline against sinful desires. People are often shocked and I've done this throughout my time in ministry, people are often shocked when I actually tell them in a baptism class or connecting before they're baptized, and I ask them this question. I ask them, what happened to Jesus after he was baptized? And for the most part, it's pretty quiet as I ask this question. Not a lot of people know. A lot of people are surprised that Jesus actually went into the wilderness after his baptism and he was tempted. It's part and parcel to this idea of following Jesus. You will, if you make a commitment to follow him in his way, you will be tempted. And what's really interesting in that story in the New Testament in Matthew is that Jesus was fasting when he was tempted by the adversary during this time of temptation. And so I think we need just to all of us need to think through that one of the things that we're doing, yes, fasting is whole body worship. But one of the things that we're doing is we're building a a life of discipline. And as we build a life of discipline, when the adversary wants to throw things our way, um, I think one of the things that happens is it's fasting is a way to starve our flesh to actually feed our soul. It's it's a spiritual discipline um, that is developed over time that really prepares us for those moments when the adversary wants to come our way. And I look at it like this. If I can abstain from food and water in a world of excess, 
in a world where everything is at my fingertips and oh, like you know this we can eat when basically whenever we want which to be honest in the history of the world is it, in some cultures is common but in many cultures is very rare and you know this with the world's condition but if i can abstain from food and water over time in a world of excess then here's the thing by the spirit i also think that i can overcome temptation it's preparation. Just as I prepared for these races, doing certain things, one of the things that we do with our bodies when we fast is we are preparing for the moments and the times and the places and spaces where the adversary would want to draw us into his way. And so I think we just need to think, it's really simple. I just think we need to think of it like that, that if you enter into this practice on a weekly basis, you're preparing yourself. If you can go without food, imagine what you can do when all sorts of temptations in our, and you know this, in our culture, and our world, whether it's sex or money or power or whatever it is in your situation that may try and lure you away from Jesus and his kingdom. I think one of the things, the little simple things we can do as we practice the, the discipline of fasting is to prepare ourselves for those moments of temptation. And I believe that we can actually overcome. So my friends, this is just one thing that I think often goes maybe misunderstood or unseen. Maybe you would actually join in and practice this idea of fasting and not just this idea, but practice this discipline of fasting to prepare yourself for things in the future that may come your way. Maybe, maybe right now you're sitting and you're listening to this or maybe you're running or in the car or whatever and you're having a hard time overcoming temptation. My question would be to you, is have you fasted? Because I think it actually prepares us for something bigger than we've ever thought or imagined in our future. That's just a little thought as we continue to develop these ideas, and I hope it's helpful. So if you wanna join in with this practice, we do encourage you to join in. Uh, typical fast in the first in first and early church was a fast from sundown one evening to sundown the next, or from sun up in the morning to sundown. Maybe you wanna start in little incremental ways but I hope this has been helpful. Next week, we'll continue this idea of why would we fast? Why would we fast in the culture that we live? But for now, my friends, I hope you can engage in this practice and you could even think on this idea that we actually are people that fast as a discipline against sinful desires. We'll talk to you next week.